0: Here's Conley off a Gobert pick. Bounces to the top to Donovan. Goes back up on his tippy toes, but stays down. Works to his right. Fires it off the bounce three and hits. Donovan's got 20 points in the first half. Herter it ahead to Solomon Hill. Sees Favors. Gives to Herter. Blocked by Favors. Oh, what a move by Derrick. Rebound Gobert. Jazz running. Here comes Clarkson. Right side three. Pow! Oh, that's gorgeous back. And the bench explodes for the Jazz as they go up 22. Atlanta wants a timeout. Oh, dear, oh, mercy, they can't take
1: anymore.
2: David Locke on the call as the Jazz beat the Hawks earlier this year. They're going to play again tonight, 5.30, the tip time. Zone's pregame show will start at 4.30. Hawks list four guys out for this game. Unfortunately, Bogdan Bogdanovich will not play. We can't have Bogdanovich on Bogdanovich crime. Glock would have enjoyed that. He was going to say that. It was going to happen at some point. Now it's not going to happen. All right, start of a three-game road trip, PK. Expectations, victory, victory, and victory. Am I right? Why wouldn't they be? Yeah, of course. Line them up. Jazz' only injury on their list right now is Elijah Hughes. They're expected to have... Everybody available, no excuses, all the depth, all ready to go back to back. And the Hawks are actually going back to back tonight. Jazz will do it tomorrow. They got Charlotte scheduled tomorrow. Atlanta lost to the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic, 27 points and 14 assists, as the Mavericks beat the Hawks 122 to 116. The
0: Hawks go back to back against the Jazz tonight.
2: DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag NBA. The B goes away from Zeller, shoots it from 14. Rimming really good, he got it. it off the front of the rim and in and B with four in a row. The sixes by 12 with 3:48 to go. Charlotte takes time out. Giannis, pull will back it out. Go load to holiday back to Giannis. Throw it down. Oh, you can see that one coming. A windmill right hander off the pass by Holiday. Luca on the move, head fake, got to the rim, left hand layup, good. A little head fake, throws everybody. Got it to Nikhil. Shot
1: clock at eight. There's the
0: alley oop. Z with a
1: two-hand throw down. Up ahead, George. Right wing three settles the feed. Paul George is a flamethrower. His eighth three of the night, a new season high. He's got 36.
2: Highlights from around the NBA, including Paul George's 36-point performance as the Clippers beat the Cavs 121-99. to Clippers, Jazz, Lakers all bunched together within a half game at the top of the West. That moved the Clippers for me tie with the Lakers to a virtual tie with the Jazz for the top spot. Jazz are up by percentage points. Clippers ride Paul George to that victory. You also, heard Giannis Antetokounmpo with a triple double in there as the Bucks beat the Pacers. PK, there are a lot of games in the West, you know, and a year ago uh, focused on all of them because, you know, a couple teams right in front of the Jazz, a couple teams right behind. They were in a big bunch of, you know, five or six teams. And now I see those games, but you look at the standings, it doesn't really seem to impact the Jazz. Thunder beat the Rockets, and Pelicans beat the Suns, but all those teams are three to four to five games back, so a lot. the Lakers and Clippers, those games seem important. Maybe the Nuggets, and then beyond that, uh, there you are. Yeah, Suns lost. Okay,
1: big deal. To me, the story is the season that Paul George is having. I mean, he is really just kicking butt, and he said before the season that he owed, uh, what's that dude who won? Palmer. Uh, yeah, that he owed him a, a title because he gave him the big contract and the way he said it he said it with like uh, such conviction and obviously he's had a whole sort of a whole lot of playoff failure but so far watching the Clippers play as much as I can he he looks like a different player he looks so confident and so smooth and he's got all these just natural skills combined with whatever he's worked to get and it's going to be something to follow because he's having a phenomenal season. I mean, he's right there in my mind with uh, MVP. You know, Kawhi Leonard gets all the run, but I think George is having a little bit of a better season, and I believe he belongs in that discussion. Now, what does that mean, the regular season? That's nice and all, but it's about the postseason, so what can he do when he gets there? Uh, But right now, boy, he's sure looking good, and they're looking tough, and I think largely not exclusively by any stretch but largely because of him and he's just playing it's just at such a high high level
2: so i think it comes down to the fact that he's 30 so do you believe that this is a guy who had some playoff failures to set him up for playoff successes which is a very familiar story in nba history or a guy who's dominant in the regular season but just isn't quite good enough in the playoffs and we're going to see that story again and you believe what you believe and everyone can believe whatever they want But deep down, none of us really know. And that's why sports is our live drama, and we stick around to find out. Exactly. Do you make anything of the Pelicans blowing out the Suns? It seems like New Orleans ought to be better than they have been. They've been one of the worst teams in the West. But that was a... uh, they had a lead, and they were just kind of nursing it along, and they seemed to be up by 5 to 10 points for a big chunk of the game. And then they get late in the game, and they just blew the thing wide open, just took over and dominated, and ended up winning
1: 123-101. Uh, no, I make
2: nothing. Nothing.
1: Out. I not pay, pay one bit of attention to it.
2: USA Basketball is in the planning stages of creating a pre-Olympic bubble in Las Vegas for Team USA, Australia, and Spain to train and play exhibition games against one another before leaving for Tokyo. NBA players expected to make up the core of all three of those teams, USA, Australia, and Spain. So they're planning, like, the games to go on, and NBA players will be ready to go. The league's playoffs are scheduled to t- take place May 22nd to July 22nd. So it's creating an environment cool. where they can limit travel and exposure to COVID and move seamlessly from the NBA playoffs right into the uh, the
1: international scene. Well, then it but not at May 22nd, the playoffs. So I don't even know if they would have started by then.
2: That's when they're supposed to start, May 22nd. And then the finals
1: are scheduled in July 22nd. Basically, right,
2: but, they're moving the playoffs back a month.
1: Okay, but who's going to be on this team in May? Is it, when, when is this team getting together for this bubble?
2: Well, I suppose the guys will join as their individual teams are eliminated. So, oh, okay. I assume, and by having three teams there, you know, obviously, Team USA, they might only have, I don't know, pick a number. If they've got 16 or 20 finalists, because you usually have more finalists than the the guys you take in case somebody gets hurt, you can plug somebody in right away. So maybe they only have a third of their guys or a quarter of their guys are in the lottery, but they could still work out because Spain will have eight guys there and Australia will have six. So combined, they'd, they'd be able to do something, I guess, play, you know, stay in shape.
1: Yeah, but my point is, most of those guys in the early part of this thing are going to be on the
2: team. Yeah, right. Yeah, the elite players are going to be on the elite team. So it'll be a gradual thing, I think. As you, uh, as well, your then team, guys gets will get be... cut. Yeah.
1: Okay, but you haven't. You have team players joining, but you didn't say guys would be leaving.
2: I assume that's going to how it work out. They didn't spell out all those details, at least not where I saw them. Um, but I, the only thing that seems to make sense is what you're saying. You know, guys will have to get cut. Uh, you're going to keep, you're going to keep more guys than you're going to take because you are worried about injury right down till the end. So there's, they've always got to be cuts at the end. So they'll have to have bigger pools because, to your point, a lot of the players aren't going to be there early in the playoffs because they're going to be in the postseason. DJ and PK.
0: #Hashtag College Basketball.
2: Well, we got games tonight. You can watch the Utes in Arizona at 5 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. BYU's playing Portland at 5 o'clock on KJazz and the Stadium Network. And then at 7 o'clock, Utah State and Fresno State, Jazz and the Stadium Network. And the Zone will have coverage of that game. Scotty G on the call. That'll be a pregame show at 6.30 on 1280 The Zone. The Jazz game will be over on the FM. David Locke, Ron Boone on 97.5 The Zone. Also, Weber State's hosting Montana State tonight, 7 o'clock in Ogden few storylines here pk and uh for byu they've been playing a bunch of close games and there's no reason that portland 0 7 in the west coast conference should be a close game
1: well the thing about it man that's a five o'clock our time four o'clock portland time that's really going to cut into their home crowd there in portland starting that game at four o'clock nice they might not have any fans again crazy (laughs) for the 30th year in a row
2: they're 500 fans, and uh, BYU's 1,000 fans, and that crowd of 1,500 is going to have problems.
1: Wasn't that the place where T.J. Hawes uh, told yeah. the fan to shut the F up? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it was, right on the baseline. What did he do? Did he whisper to his uh, buddy next to him <laughs> in Portland? We would have heard if he had.
2: <laughs> no, I think he said it with a little volume, but you're, to your point, there was no crowd noise to drown it
1: out. Uh, Portland, they, they've sucked for so long. Yeah. I, I just don't understand it.
2: Utes hosting Arizona. Utah coming off that good win against Colorado. Can they back it up with a good win against Arizona? Arizona 7-4 and in the Pac-12 right now. The Utes 4-6 and trying to get back to 500 in conference play. They are exactly 7-7 and on the season. So, well, get, get to a winning record is the question.
1: One of the questions that I was thinking about putting on Facebook, I didn't, but I thought about, you know, the Utes, that quality road win. Is this the, the catalyst? It just seemed like, well, the other one was the catalyst, and the other one was the catalyst. Now, they weren't the catalyst, so now is this the catalyst? If they go out there and just get rolled by Arizona, uh, I, I literally give up. I'm going to give up the Utes for Lent if they do that. And,
2: That's a very Jersey thing to do right there. Good work. You've... Giving up
1: Arizona? Giving up
2: the Utes for Lent. <laughs> you, knew I, it
1: they, you keep talking, that they keep saying, okay, now, now, now. Really? I mean, I would like to see it now. I mean, anytime Arizona, especially Sean Miller, can lose, I'm all for it. Uh, but it makes me wonder, what do they need? And when Plummer goes off for 23 in the second half, is that really a recipe you can count on game in and game out for – Uh, your team to win. Probably not, but maybe they can find ways to win without him doing that too. It's not like it's impossible, but listening and reading and seeing, okay, now we got that quality win. You know, this is their best win of the season at Colorado. And now we're ready to go. Okay. I'm still waiting and I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but we come in here tomorrow and you got another L. I'm done with you. I won't (laughs) talk about you the rest of the season. You'll have to handle it.
2: They have been alternating wins and losses for
1: six games now. So. Yeah, but now they got their best win. You're missing the point, man. Yeah. They got their best win of the season. I'm not. I'm now not, they're ready. I'm not missing the point. This is a
2: two-year-old story. So. A two-year-old story? Yes. On the verge, the young guys. Here we go.
1: Been... No, no, see, the story that you're missing is now they're ready. That's <laughs> okay. what you're missing. All right. I realize you're setting it up to this point, but you're missing the fact, well, now they're ready to go.
2: And then the Aggies at Fresno State, the top of the Mountain West Conference, all jumbled up. The Aggies sitting there on two losses. They are 10-2 and as they get ready for Fresno State tonight. And uh, Boise State's got their first loss now. CSU delivered that. Uh, but the Rams, the Rams are hanging around. They're on three losses, so... How's this going to shake out? Who's going to win the league? San Diego State's on three losses, uh, but they're not playing this week. They're supposed to play New Mexico, and those two games have been canceled. So they're sitting at seven and three. The Rams are at nine and three, and the Aggies are at ten and two. Everybody chasing ten and one. Boise
0: State. So DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I think people are reluctant. To buy into Taysom as a quarterback. They can't be reluctant to
2: buy into him as, as, as an asset right, right. Like, if we put him out there for trade, we would have 31 other teams with interest. People are just hesitant because
0: we all are hesitant to not knowing what we've seen so far, you know, and, and so he's relatively new as a quarterback.
2: That's Sean Payton, Saints coach, talking about Taysom Hill. What are they going to do? What is Taysom's future? That seems like a question we've heard before, PK. Even,
0: yeah, I
1: don't... Even Sean yeah, Payton leaves it unresolved. Why we're talking about uh, his whether he's an NFL player or not, I mean, I think that's long since been proven. So uh, other teams may want him, yeah, but do they want him as a starting quarterback? Of course you want him as a player because he could do pretty much everything that doesn't require, you know, trenches. Uh, I think he... I, he's, talent can play multiple positions obviously because he's big and he can run and that's half the battle in football if he can run but is he a starting quarterback in the NFL that that's the issue that's what he wants of course that's what he wants and Sean Payton's going to be the one to decide that so I find that interesting like Sean Payton and that was just a snippet I haven't heard the whole contextual interview before and after what he was saying but Sean Payton there's no need to convince us that Taysom Hill is an NFL player what needs to be proven is is he's a starting quarterback and a winning quarterback in the NFL. That's what needs to be proven, not the ground level of whether he has the talent to play in the NFL. He's had that probably since he's been about 10 years old. Yeah, and
2: then the next question is, is he a quarterback who uh, you will know, be good enough to beat the bad teams but not to make enough plays to beat the good teams?
1: Well, a winning quarterback in the NFL is a winning quarterback. You don't get any extra wins for beating. They all add, They all equal the same.
2: But you end up with a ceiling on how good the team can be. And the Saints have been – they've gotten a Super Bowl and they've been a perennial playoff team and so close to it, and obviously they want another one. Peyton says he hopes Jameis Winston will re-up with the team, wants him to re-sign, and expects an announcement from Drew Brees on Drew Brees' future in the next week or two. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes among a list of 20 people who are scheduled to have their hair cut by a team barber. Barber ended up testing positive, forced two chief players into isolation. It was a weird deal. I guess they had him into the facility, and he was tested for days before he came into the facility. Five straight days. Tested in the facility, and then that last test came back positive while he was cutting a player's hair. So we've heard they got a couple guys who are have got a test positive now all week and then can be cleared on Saturday. But. Mahomes didn't get there yet. He was was further back in line, so these fans can breathe easy over that. And former NFL head coach Marty Schottenheimer has been moved to a hospice facility near his home in Charlotte, North Carolina, complications from Alzheimer's disease. He was diagnosed in 2014.
0: DJ and PK. Hashtag college football.
2: Recruiting rankings from this year's recruiting cycles place Alabama atop the sport again. Maybe the most talented class Nick Saban has ever signed, which is saying something because he signed some awfully talented classes, but 22 players on ESPN's top 300 list. 13 of them on the top 100 list. Oregon led the Pac-12 at number 5 overall. The PK, but, who have you seen being picked to win the Pac-12? Well,
1: I've seen a lot of uh, Utah, for sure, next season.
2: That is the question of the day. Several predictions have the Utes winning the Pac-12 next season. Can it be that the boys in red are going to win the conference and go to the Rose Bowl? That's the question of the day. We'll get to it coming up next. Later in the show, Tim Lacombe, Chad Lewis on the way. Chad Lewis, former BYU and Philadelphia Eagle tight end, join us at uh, 9 o'clock. And that's not Tim Lacombe, that's Bowler. Yak, you exhausted by these ten-hour shifts you're pulling? I'm like, didn't we have Tim on yesterday? Probably like fifteen hours, but yeah, fifteen-hour shifts. Iron Man. He's our he's our Cal Ripken, PK. He's our Lou Gehrig. He's our Joe Ingles. That Iron Man streak. A couple of other guys have been out here for a while now. Yak's doing it all. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at eight zero one. That's Shamrock Plumbing.
0: The Big, show. the Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson,
2: Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations for the Utah Jazz, Dennis Lindsay With us, Dennis. We thought you're going to be in a pretty good mood jumping on the show today. Your team's playing great. <laughs> yeah, they've come together and we're pleased with the results thus far. We've Got a lot of work to do. We're only at the quarter pole, but uh, we've defended well. Got back to a previous Jazz level, and Quinn has designed a really unique offense based upon spacing and shooting and sharing
0: the ball when a guy's really believe in the system that Hughes developed what we promise is we'll just continue to work hard and be humble and honest with ourselves and hopefully we can make a good account for the season catch the big show weekdays from two to seven presented by big O tires the team you trust on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network
2: dj and pk it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone it is time for Hot Takes or Toast, brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Right now, you can get up to $6,000 in purchase allowance on the XT line. I've experienced the luxury you deserve by booking a test drive today. Several predictions have the Utes winning the Pac-12 next season. Can it be that the boys in red are going to the Rose Bowl? The
1: granddaddy, PK. Pac-12 yeah. champs. That's what's next. It's a logical step. That's what they have uh, not been able to do. They've been right there, but haven't gotten the job done.
2: Cameras having none of it. Same every year, all the hype. Then they win four games. Then they lose to some garbage team, and then they come back to their reality.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, to throw out this last season, obviously it wasn't a real season. But the season before that, they lost to SC and then didn't lose again until Oregon. So the two losses were to SC and Oregon, I guess. If they're garbage teams, then the Pac-12 really is full of garbage.
2: Brian says most of the starters will be back. There is hope at the quarterback position. And no team in the league appears
1: to be elite. It is a good possibility. So it's a good possibility because everybody else stinks. I mean, that's not the way to go. That's that's totally backdooring it.
2: <laughs> Gee, well, he says it. most of the starters will be back, and there's hope at the quarterback position. But there is the big hitch in it: is what is the quarterback position going to look like? We don't know who's going to win the job. Sure, we. So how much hope can you have?
1: Charlie Brewer is going to win the job. You may not know it, but Kyle knows it.
2: A hundred percent.
1: Okay. Well, listen to his quote. Uh, he was on the Pac-12 network yesterday. I don't think he made himself available locally. If he did, I didn't catch it, but maybe he did. But on the Pac-12 network, he said, bottom line, Charlie, he loves bottom line. He's a big bottom line phrase user. Bottom line, the guy's name is Charlie Brewer from Baylor, and he's the one who threw for 9,700 yards in three seasons with the Bears. Uh, and and two two years ago, he was 11-2, and two when they played in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, bottom line, Charlie felt good about what our plans were and the opportunity he had here. He felt like it was a good fit. We're ecstatic that he's here. he will This is the thing that caught my eye. He'll be the guy in spring ball that will get the majority of the reps. We'll see what happens. So he, Kyle is already anointing this guy. He's, there's nothing about this is an open competition. He'll be the guy in spring ball that will get the majority of the reps. That's a strong, strong statement. That doesn't seem like well, everyone will take equal amounts and then we'll will it down from there and go from there. He'll be the guy that gets the majority of the reps. If that doesn't sound like the starter, I don't know who does.
2: So then Rose Bowl, he's the guy. There's two different things. The defense looked really good. I mean, I know it wasn't a full season and all that, but they, they passed the eyeball test. And the run game, whatever question marks or doubts you have, it usually works out. There may be stuff to iron out, but it usually works out. Quarterback playing a passing game,
1: and away you go. Well, that's two different things, though. You asked who's going to be the starting quarterback. Now you're asking, is he good enough to take you to the Rose Bowl? That is something I can't answer. But it looks like, by Kyle's own words, they've got a starter right now. And Why wouldn't they? He... He's the, certainly in spring ball, he'll be literally the only one who's ever taken a snap. Right? The transfer from Texas didn't get out on the field, and the high school kid is a high school kid. So, and, and uh, Rising isn't going to be available. So they don't have anybody else who's literally taken a snap. But I'm surprised Kyle was that strong in his assessment by saying this kid will get the majority of the reps. If I'm this Costelli kid, I'm thinking, oh, what the heck am I coming up here and giving up my senior year of high school, although I don't know what they're doing in California. I haven't figured out what.
2: Not much would be my guess. I don't think he's giving much up.
1: Well, I don't, I don't know that. I mean, hanging with your family and with your friends, if that's your definition of not giving up much, then so be it. To me, that would be a lot.
2: Nelly says, I think so. I think we have a solid team. USC always loses in big games. I worry about ASU, but I love our chances. Which is balanced by Nephi saying, ha-ha, that's funny. Somebody slipped and busted their head, making a stupid prediction like that.
1: What's that mean?
2: Uh, I think if I click on it, it means that they root for BYU or Utah State.
1: No, well... That's, that's all it means? They just have allegiances? I mean, what does the statement mean?
2: It means it's ridiculous and the team isn't going to win the uh, conference. That's how I took it. Steven says, I hope so, but I'm not going to believe the hype until it is proven. Steven sounds disappointed by a couple of conference championship game losses.
1: Well, of course it would be. However many you have, that's how many times you'd be disappointed. I would take issue to an extent that the defense looked really good last year. Really? I mean, they gave up 33 to SC. They gave up 24 and two quarters to Washington. They gave up 28 to Washington State, the freshman quarterback. So, that to me... Judging by Utah standards, that's not really good.
2: So how good a shot are you giving them then? I mean, you must think they have some shot. You didn't think it was ridiculous when you saw the predictions.
1: I see no reason why they wouldn't be in the mix.
2: Yeah, that's a good. I mean, but that's a good call because they've been in the mix so many years.
1: But I don't view it like I did two years ago when they were the overwhelming favorite and they had 33 of the 36 votes. It was an absolute 100% no-brainer to the point where, at this point, going into that season, as they were approaching spring ball, Kyle was talking about how to handle being the favorite. So they were going to be the overwhelming favorite. They knew they were going to be the overwhelming favorite. And he was coaching his team on how to handle being in that position, and they ended up handling it just fine. I mean, Kyle came out with that prediction. I was sitting in the tent down at the Coliseum when they lost to SC, saying that no one's going to go undefeated in this league. He was basically saying, we have a shot to win the rest of our games, and they did. So, I don't think they're, at this point here, Any, I don't think it's anything close to that. I think the best I can come up for you is that they can be in the mix. That, that I can't go more than that. I can't go like 2019, when it was so overwhelmingly clear, when they had all that NFL talent return. Now, this, they may have a lot of NFL talent, it's just that I don't know it yet. That At that point, they had juniors coming back as seniors that were clearly projected to go in the NFL draft if they were to come out and they all came back and then they all went into the draft and all of them are playing in the NFL I need more time to see if these individuals are going to come back you know you look at uh, Jalen Johnson well he was a sophomore going into his junior year But he had already had massive games at that point. And so here, uh, Clark Phillips, just using him as an example, you know, he got better, but he was not on the level. Jalen Johnson was advanced, plus Julian Backman, was a senior, had played at a ton of football. So I can't necessarily say the same thing at this point on the timeline. Now, if it was next year, you know, we'd have another, and we didn't really have a a whole lot of evidence this season too not only were they young but I mean they got some experience for sure but it's not like we saw them in big games in November
2: yeah it's everything you just said about uh about Clark Phillips I mean okay Johnson we had two years so we had a pretty good idea what he could do we'd seen two years worth of games as opposed to seeing five games not quite
1: half a season right they didn't play in any big games this year you know That season opener in November is a phrase I never thought I would use uh, for college football, right? I mean, they, they, they didn't start until November 21st. Interestingly enough, Kyle's 61st birthday is when they opened the season. So it was good experience that they got, for sure, but it wasn't a legitimate season that we're basing all those NFL guys on that they had uh, in that uh, lineup two seasons ago. So... Uh, I put them in the mix, and, and then we'll see what happens when it's time to go. And hopefully we have the full season starting on time and everything goes the way it's supposed to, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know. So what level of confidence do you have that Brewer is going to be the starting
2: quarterback? Because Kyle can pump him up and say he's the guy in spring, but when you lay it out the way you did and he's got the experience and Rising isn't available, if Brewer's head and shoulders above the other guys, is he still head and shoulders above Rising? Because Kyle didn't really seem... To address that, I mean, could Rising be the guy if he's healthy in the summer? And, I mean, when Kyle says, you know, we'll see, I guess we'll see, can, can include, we'll see when Rising is healthy and if he's on a pitch count. I mean, we've been through quarterback injuries. We know they're kind of, depending on what's going on, they can be kind of unpredictable here. Or do you think Brewer's going to steamroll all the competition, healthy Rising included? And really it's a question of getting Rising healthy to be the backup in case what happens to Rising what happened to Rising last year happens to Brewer this year.
1: Well, correct me if I'm wrong, and I could be wrong, but I don't think there's any need for a pitch count because I don't think it's on Rising's throwing shoulder. Am I wrong here? Okay, but if he's limited in any way. I think you're right. I think it is his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, so I have to address his health first, and I don't know what his health status is yeah. going to be, so I can not address it uh, at the time. I think that he's going to compete. If he's healthy, I wouldn't see why he wouldn't compete but he cannot come close to matching the experience that Brewer has. I mean, they've been getting the transfer quarterbacks that they've been getting were – they've had reasons for transferring that were the obvious playing time. Kendall Thompson didn't get to play like he thought, and there was a guy here locally who knows the Thompson family, and every week – for two or three years, if he's listening, this guy would send me emails about how Aaron Roderick and whoever was the current offensive coordinator, which I think it was A-Rod, had his head so far up his rear end by not playing Thompson. (laughs) I mean, he must have sent me 50 emails uh, on Kendall Thompson should be the guy. Well, he had a connection to the family, obviously, and was biased and wanted to see Thompson play. But the... And I hesitate to use the word damaged goods but or phrase. But essentially, that's what they were. I mean, Bentley came out here because he wasn't good enough at South Carolina. And no offense to the young man. But when we saw, we could see why, why he moved, wasn't why, good enough at South they, Carolina. Yeah, we saw why they moved on to another guy. Yeah. And now he's gone. I think, where did he go? South Alabama or something? So the ones that they've gotten were not really good enough. Now I got three more guys. Well, you're a big history guy. You love <laughs> to talk about that stuff. Yeah. So I've just given you two dudes, and then who was the one? Uh, he had one way back when they were still in the Mountain West, Tommy Grady from – was that his name? From yeah. From Oklahoma? Yep. Is that what we well, – okay. He wasn't good enough, right? A so Real now League I've got three guys. Tommy Grady. Yeah. So now I've got three guys, right? So I'm so, so expect these guys are going to be different than those guys. And we're going back over a 10-year period. Now I'm all excited about these guys. Great. You could be a 10-star dude, but you didn't get out on the field on your – prior places where you're 10-star dude, except Brewer did. That's the big difference. He did get out on the field. He did throw for 9,700 yards and rush for over 1,000 yards. That's three seasons, so that's not a big number there, but it shows he can move around a little bit. But the 9,700 yards in the 11-2 and two Sugar Bowl appearance in 2019 – jumps off the charts to the point where, correct me if I'm wrong, the Baylor coach springboards that to be the Carolina Panthers coach. Am I right about that? Correct. Right. So uh, this guy helped that guy get an NFL job. So in my mind, this fella is different than the other ones. Now, I don't know the specific reasons why he decided to leave. Now, Baylor isn't the program that they were. That's for sure. Uh, we understand that. Uh, and Utah is a solid program. At worst, they're a solid program. At best, they're a Rose Bowl team. And so maybe that's the thing is that, hey, this program isn't that good. This program over here is pretty solid. you got to admit that. I mean, they're they're a solid program for sure. And that, to me, that's just bottom level. They can be spectacular. They can be ranked sixth deep, deep into November and contending for a playoff spot. They've already done that. And so you can see where why he would be the opportunity to play uh, for a really good team to showcase your skills even more. I assume he wants to play in the NFL. Everybody does that. So this Brewer kid's got me excited because he's different from all the others, the other four or five kids who've come into your program. And even at Bentley – uh, man, he threw for all those yards. He made 33 starts in the SEC. Everybody got excited. Hate to say it because you don't want to crack on a college kid, but, you know, you look at him, you're like, oh, okay, he's sort of like Utah basketball was or is. Okay, man, now he's had a solid series. Now he's got it together. No, he's throwing the worst pass I've ever seen thrown uh, at the end of the first half against Washington State, and finally they had enough. <laughs> And you're thinking, geez, one step forward, two steps back type of deal with this kid. So Brewer in my mind seems to be different. So that's the reason for optimism.
2: Well, that lays out a pretty optimistic case and I hope it, I hope it breaks that way. Um, And I, I guess if Kyle sees in him a chance to win the division and win the conference because he thinks the defense has made enough progress and will continue to make progress, obviously they they will to continue to make progress, When everything is there, then he can go with the, the, the older guy. We've seen a couple oh, quarterback sure. competitions where I thought he was leaning towards the older guy, and then it turns out he wasn't leaning towards the older guy. He's he was leaning, leaning towards, towards the,
1: the better guy. That's what it is.
2: Uh, Yeah.
1: Rising clearly. (laughs) Yeah, rising was.
2: In the rising case, yes. In the the Troy Williams-Tyler Huntley, I think in the short run, they could have won more with Troy. But in the long run, it was clear that investing in Tyler was a good idea.
1: And that was four years ago, and Kyle wasn't in his 60s. He's going to be 62 this year. You're not playing for the future.
2: So that comes down to, does he think that this team really can win the conference this year? In which case. Well, I,
1: I don't think Golden it comes down do to it. that. Really? I think you you yeah, you play the best guy even if you're trying to get bull eligible. You're trying to win as many games as you can, so you play the best guy that you have in your program. It's, there's really no difference. It's not like, wow, well, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make a push this year. This is our year, so we're gonna play this guy. But if this wasn't our year, even though this guy's better than that guy, we're still gonna go with the younger guy. I don't see that's where their their program is, and that's not where in the stage of his coaching career it, where he's at. He's trying to win as many ball games as he possibly can. And with the transfer portal, what's the point of worrying about next year? Because there's Cause somebody out there on the another planet. Transfer. Yeah, I mean, you have to. I think you really have to think that way.
2: Well, I think what you said yesterday, I actually was thinking about this yesterday afternoon that we were talking, because yesterday was the traditional signing day, and uh-huh. December eclipsed it, and as soon as the December date happened, Kyle was doing multiple interviews where he yeah. said, this is going to be bigger, I mean, he just knew where the trend was going. Right, he knew kids wanted to sign. He knew coaches wanted kids to sign. The coaching staffs wanted to move on to the next class and be done with this one. So he's totally right. But when you said yesterday, yeah, recruiting is still a big deal. But if you know X percent, because it seems like the percent is climbing, so why why marry yourself to one number now? Because it seems like it's going to be a bigger number in another year or two. If you know this many kids are going to transfer, why get that hyped up about signing day? I guess if you're Alabama, then it. You're going to plug those guys in, and you're going to go win. So they can get hyped up about it. But for everybody else, if the top two guys in your quarterback depth chart are transfers and the top two guys in your running back depth chart are transfers, what are we all getting worked up about signing day for? I mean, your whole team isn't going to be transfers, so signing day will still be a thing to some degree. It's important. Yeah, Yeah. I get your point. But at the same time, it's not even close to a finished product saying, well, this is our core of guys now two or three years down the road. Yeah. No. No, absolutely not. The pot is right. going to get stirred, both with guys coming and guys going. I mean, Brewers coming, but it looks like Brian Thompson's going.
1: Right. So. And Kyle said that. He he went biblical yesterday during his interview on the pac Network. He said the... The transfer portal taketh or giveth, and the transfer portal taketh or which, whichever phrase is taketh first or giveth first. Which one is that? But anyway, giveth and taketh that, away. Giveth and yeah. taketh away. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. So he <laughs> he went a little biblical on that, and so that was good. He's right, go with go biblical. They lose Thompson, but they, they actually, I mean, they've been pretty good about guys uh, staying. They haven't lost that much talent. They've lost some, but not that much compared to as much as they brought in
2: and I think you always, you always you always got to look at that ratio. You know, is it a 50-50 split coming and going? Is it 80-20 in your favor? Is it 80-20 against you? You got to be you got to be winning in the portal because that is just another phase of recruiting
1: and recruiting is 90% of the deal as he's told and, us over and over. And it's become an extremely important phase of recruiting. Oh, yeah. That's what's that's that's the biggest development in college football over what would you say the last five years? Yeah, I was Is even going to say the
2: last three. I mean, it really seems like it's accelerating. It's not that it wasn't a deal five years ago because it was, but it's it's a yeah. way bigger deal now. I mean, exactly. it's really the last two to three years. It's
1: just accelerating. I mean, and they're holding scholarships available for yeah. The potential. Yeah, and they're not alone. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, right. yeah.
2: yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Bowlers coming up, talk jazz basketball at 8.30. Chad Lewis, former Cougar star, former Eagle, currently BYU's associate AD. He'll join us at 9 o'clock. Andy Reid's story's coming. Super Bowl talk coming, you know that. Chad is absolutely an Andy Reid guy. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone.
0: Now let's get this party started! This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Have we ever talked to John on the air? No. No, and I've got questions. Is he there? I'm here. Hey, John, how are hey you? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, John, yeah. while we have you. No, no,
1: we've had a, uh-huh. a a long back and forth about a pitchfork
0: incident. I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you. <laughs> we were out working and you know cleaning our ends or whatever you want to call it, and uh, he thought that he was like King Triton, and he uh, threw that pitchfork and uh, oh. really good. <laughs> a bag on the mark and put it right underneath the kneecap did you throw a trident yeah I killed a guy with a trident hanson and Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 975 1280 the zone in the zone sports network. The best blanket ever
2: is also the best gift for Valentine's Day. Get 30% off right now on any regularly priced blankets with the code word WELCOME30 at MinkyCouture.com. Take care of that Valentine's Day gift today by visiting a location near you in Ogden, Layton, Draper, Orham, Sugar House, or St. George. That's Minky Couture and Valentine's Day. Check them out at MinkyCouture.com. Boulder's coming up in half an hour, and we'll talk jazz with him, PK, and the uh, jazz at the point there at Atlanta and uh, Atlanta has been a, a 500-ish team. They're going back-to-back. They lost to the Mavericks, so the Jazz just beat twice. It seems like, ho-hum, this ought to be a win, which, oh you're, oh, you're already, ooh! <laughs> but isn't that a great place to be in, that it's like, yeah, if you're, if you're a good team, if you're a legit contender like we're talking about, you're not going to beat all the 500 teams on your schedule, and Atlanta isn't 500 with that loss, they're now 10 and 11. But you're going to beat most of them. And the Jazz had been beating most of them. So it's a pretty good place to be. But you got, you got a special worry about this? Because you're like... Come on, you're Mr. Positive exactly. Upbeat. If you're really that good... So for why sure. the...
1: Well, okay. Thank you for asking.
2: i have given you a second to gather yourself. Setting the stage.
1: I think the Atlanta Hawks are at the crux of what the NBA has become, yeah. Which I, I see where you're going. Yes, I think is a good spot. Is that okay? This is not a great team by any stretch, but I want to be drawn in. Now, obviously, it's the Jazz. They could be playing the Washington Generals, and we would be drawn in, right? Right. We understand that. But aside from that, give me something. Well, the Hawks give me something. Trey Young is an emerging player. He could go for forty. Mm-hmm. Right, He's a smaller dude and uh, a kid out of Oklahoma. I think he's literally right out of Norman, and he stayed home there. And had a sensational run with the Sooners, but you're wondering, okay, how does that translate to the NBA? You know, you don't know what to do. The Sun's looking for a point guard. They passed on him, if I remember correctly. You know, they wouldn't have needed Chris Paul if they would have taken the kid, and I'm assuming the reason they pass on him is the kid's size. Well, he's passed the test, right? He's a legitimate NBA player, and I don't watch him a lot. Because he's over there in the East, and I'm not focusing on the Hawks, obviously. Well, now I get an opportunity to do that. He can get some stuff going. A young, spectacular, had the potential to be spectacular in any given game. Now, when he came here last month, what was he, 1 of 10, 1 of 11? He, something like that. Double-check that. But he stunk. Right? He couldn't buy a basket, throw it in the ocean, that type of thing. It wasn't his game. All right. It happens. Now, Today, tonight, it could be his game. So it draws me in. I think the Hawks, in any given game, are a dangerous team. They're not overall going to be contending for home court advantage in the first round. We understand that. But on a singular game basis, the Hawks have enough for me to be interested, Trey Young leading the way. And they've got some other guys, too. Uh, you know, Gallinari coming off the bench. Well, we've watched Gallinari play for a number of years now, right? Because he's been in the West with a bunch of different teams, uh, Thunder and Clippers and Denver, and I think he – well, he started out with New York, wasn't he part of that Carmelo Anthony trade way back when? And then we know a few years back, around the time that the Hayward thing was going down, that the Jazz were had potential interest in Gulinari. And then he ends up signing with the Clippers, right? So he's a nice three point shooter. He's not a great player by any stretch, but he can if he puts in five three pointers in a singular game, no one's gonna go say, Wow, I didn't see that coming, right? So the point is that there's some talent there. And so I wouldn't expect it to be a complete and total, oh, I'm going to go into this game with 99% confidence that the Jazz are going to win.
2: If they're dialed in and play well, then I think they win. If they aren't dialed in and they don't play well, to your point, although Atlanta is not a great team, they're definitely mediocre. they got enough guys. If Trey Young goes off or Clint Capella goes off or Gallinari goes off, that's not, that's not surprising. That they got enough talent, and they and they can beat people. So, and for yes. them,
1: where they are, they made substantial. They're making substantial improvement. You just look at last night, John Collins. Go look at John Collins's box score, John Collins. John Collins. We're talking about John Collins. Look what he did. <laughs> we see about what he did. Practice, practice. You see what my man John Collins did last night in the loss to. The Mavericks. 35, he had 35 points, points.
2: points and 12 rebounds. He's John Collins. 16 of 21 shooting the ball. 3 of 4 from 3.
1: That's precisely my point. The essence of my point is summed up in John Collins. Now, I'd imagine most of our listeners, you've got to be hardcore to know who John Collins is, right? Kid out of Wake Forest. They took him. I think he's uh, what, like in his fifth year in the league. Well, he's averaging seventeen, eight, and uh, seven point nine boards. I mean, I mean, I think it's somewhat of a what, who lock put out that theory that you got to have guys getting rebounds and points on every team. It's mm-hmm. just the way it is. So it doesn't necessarily mean just because you have decent stats that you're really that good. Because somebody's got to have them on every team. But nevertheless, when he goes for thirty-five and twelve. That opens my eyes a little bit. Now, I don't expect him to put those two games back-to-back, so in a sense, that's good for the Jazz because John Collins is not a 35-12 and guy consistently. You know, he's not letter carrier here who you could book it on 82 to come close to those numbers for 15 freaking years that he did, that man did. You know, incredible. But in a given game, he can do it. That's why... I wouldn't just assume all the Jazz have to do is show up. That's my point.
2: Well, I th- I don't, and you're right about that, but I think that I do assume that they play well because they've been playing well for big stretches of a lot of games. It doesn't mean they don't give up runs. and It doesn't mean they didn't get beat in Denver, I know. But they have been playing well and not giving stuff away. And if they come in and, and play a B C B-C-plus game, then the door is open for John Collins and Trey Young to take them down. You know,
1: When you it, think about this, man, John Collins is the best Collins in the league since Doug. <laughs> Famous Collinses. Ready? Go. All right, Buller's coming up.
2: We'll talk with him about this at uh, 8.30. DJ and PK, we got more reaction coming up to the question of the morning. Several predictions have the Utes win in the Pac-12 next season. Can it be the boys in red? will be in the Rose Bowl. And we'll get to that next. Stay with us.